You are listening to the Choose Your Struggle Podcast, a member of the Shameless Podcast Network. A quick shout out to my Patreon supporters. I am so grateful for your support and your love. Y'all have been with me since almost the beginning, and so much of this podcast could not be done without you. Almost to a person, they've all told me that they didn't join for the perks, although there are some pretty fantastic perks, but they've all joined just to support the show, and it really means so much to me. Now, if you join, you are going to get some stuff in return. You'll get sneak peeks, extra content, and the chance to interact with me on a second level. It's really a great way to show support if you love this show. So go ahead and check it out today. Go to patreon.com slash choose your struggle. The lowest tier is only $3.40 a month. And there's multiple tiers after that. There's something for everybody. So truly, I truly mean this. Thank you to all of my Patreon supporters. And if you've been waiting to sign up, well, now's a great time. So head on over to Patreon and show a little bit of love. Choose your struggle. Spread love. Choose your struggle. Hello and welcome to a Monday Motivation episode of the Choose Your Struggle podcast. Today's episode is dedicated to and thanks to a friend of mine. Uh, he's a guy who, um, you know, is, is first off, I'm not using his name because I, I haven't asked for it, nor has he given permission, uh, for it to be used. So I'm just, I'm, I'm not going to mention his name. Um, but he's a guy who of late, let's say the last six months or so has been really incredible about reaching out to me and asking questions about substance misuse, about addiction. Uh, he had a family member who was, who has been struggling and that kind of opened the dialogue. And since then, uh, I think he has felt more comfortable asking these questions. And I, I gotta say, I am so proud of him for that. Um, because there are times some of these questions are, are easier to not ask. Uh, and so I, I sincerely mean this. I applaud him uh, so much for, for doing so. Uh, so. So a recent question from him is what, what motivated me to record this episode today. So uh, he texted me the other day. And said, question for you. He, he said, got a, got a tough question for you. And, and by the way, uh, this is a tough question. So, so uh, buckle up. He said, at what point do you have enough concern to call the police on someone using drugs? Example, walk by the park near my apartment today, which is notorious for drug use. Saw a guy who appeared to be passed out while sitting upright with a needle in his arm. His other hand was holding it in place. Didn't appear to be moving, just stationary in a sleepy state. Don't want to be another person that thinks, oh, someone else will react, but also didn't want to risk personal safety as this area is uh, one with drug-related crime. So uh, that's a great question. And um, a a couple things. Let's break down that question real quick. So number one, uh, there's 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 really a couple different questions there. The first is uh, when what do you do if you see somebody using in the open? But but more importantly. Uh, what do you do if you see someone who may be overdosing? Uh, the second is, you know, what do or, or, or what do I do if I don't feel safe uh, in that area? Now, I'm going to break that one down first because um, there's two ways to go about that. Now, I don't know this area. He's in a different city. Uh, and I have never not only have I never been to the city, I have no knowledge about uh, the, the, the state of drug use in that city. So, so I'm going to answer in a more general way. Uh, 
most of what we think about when it comes to crime as it relates to drug use is flat out false. Uh, I just read this really fascinating um, uh, piece by Carl Hart. Uh, you all know my love for Carl Hart. <laughs> Talk about fanboy, right? Um, where he broke down, uh, he used this period, actually the period of the, the 80s during what we think of as the, the crack epidemic. And he his own research and using other people's research, he found that roughly uh, 3% of the crime during that that period, uh, when when we all thought crime was rampant, uh, I was not born yet, so uh, I not me, but but it, the the narrative was that crime was rampant. Three percent was actually perpetrated by drug users. Thirty uh, percent of the 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 violent crime in that era did involve drug use, uh, but it was it was uh, dealers with turf wars and the like. Uh, and so as he correctly points out, and, and he's not alone in this, uh, that isn't drug use. That is uh, the, that is this continued war on drugs, right? That is uh, it, to say that 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 crime had something to do with drugs is the same way that we would say, uh, you know, all the crime uh, by gangsters in the 1920s and thir early 30s uh, was over alcohol, you know, which it was, but it was because of prohibition. It wasn't literally over alcohol. So I say all of that to say a lot of that is a myth. Uh, now, is there? Of course there is. And, and as, as he himself pointed out, 3% is still violent crime. And, you, you know, uh, it is possible. However, um, you know, when you think about it that way, only 3% is perpetrated by people who, who are using. Uh, and, and as we know, most of that is because they need money to, to, to you know, get their next uh, hit. Um, there still is a possibility. However, it is much more reduced than, than what you think. So um, that answers that sort of that first part of what if you feel nervous, know that is it possible? Of course it's possible. However, um, it is unlikely. It, you know, you're much more likely to be involved in a car accident. You're much more likely to be, you know, uh, uh, assaulted, unfortunately, by a partner. Some of these horrible statistics uh, than you are to be, um, you know, injured or assaulted by someone using drugs. So uh, that kind of addresses that. However, Let's say for a second that, that you are in an area. Now, this was during the day, so this was not at night, uh, and, and obviously that changes the answer a little bit. But let's say it is during the day, um, and, and there's nobody else around, and you see somebody who may have been maybe overdosing. I would still say check. Uh, now, I personally, um, you know, I'm much more comfortable doing this uh, than the average person. I, I freely admit that. Um, however, the because the odds of you suffering some sort of injury or being uh, the, the subject of crime is so low, I think that it is worth it uh, to take the chance. Uh, that being said, I also recognize that not everybody feels that way. So uh, I will say this as a blanket statement. If you are worried, call 911, okay? Do not make it, make this very clear. Do not in any way ask for a cop, you know, make it very clear to 911 that you are requesting an ambulance for someone who you are afraid is in overdose. Um, they will ask you, did you check? So just know that they will ask that question. 
Um, but but you know it, it it is okay to say I did not, I didn't feel comfortable, I didn't feel safe. Um, if that is the, the case with you, however, I would say in that moment challenge yourself real quick and say I, you know maybe is it possible that I am buying into some of this this uh, uh, BS? Um, and if you still don't feel comfortable, that's fine. Uh, call nine one one, ask for an ambulance. So that's that's the first response there. The second one. Uh, is uh, I, I told him that first. I said, call 911 right away. And he said, without checking. And I said, I mean, I would check. However, two things. Number one, again, if you feel an unsafe, I can't tell you don't feel that way. I, I don't know your situation. Maybe you're a very small person. Maybe you're a woman who is alone and does not feel safe. That's perfectly fine. Call 911, ask for an ambulance. However, he mentioned, as I, as I read in this, that the, the guy had, he watched the guy for a minute. The guy was not moving and the needle was still in his arm. Uh, in that case, that is a severe red flag for an overdose. You know, there are things that you can look for when you get up close. However, from far away, a person who is knotted out with a needle still in their arm, immediately call 911 if you are not comfortable checking on the person. If you are comfortable, get over there as soon as possible and check for other signs of an overdose because that is pretty much the largest red flag that you can see from far away. Uh, somebody who has who appears to not be moving with a needle in their arm. I mean, that you, you can't get more of a, of a bigger red flag there. So um, definitely, I would recommend in that moment, check. Uh, however, if you don't feel safe, call 911 and mention that, that you're afraid that somebody has overdosed and ask for an ambulance. So... My next response was that uh, I recommended that he get Narcan trained. Now, you you all know I've talked about this a lot. Uh, I think it's incredibly important that everybody be Narcan trained. I myself have been trained six or seven times now. Uh, once since I've been to Philly and five or six before that, I carry my Narcan everywhere. Um, it is not as easy as it should be to get Narcan. However, your local health department should be able to steer you in the right direction. Uh, worst case scenario, go to your pharmacy. Uh, they are supposed to carry it. They are supposed to have it on them. Many do not. However, I have never encountered a pharmacy that would not order it if they if you ask for it. So uh, definitely request it. And um, if, if, if you know, those are the ways you can get it. However, call your local health department first or look who trains in your area and give them a call, find out when their next training is uh, and, and also where you can get it. So that's my my second request, because in that moment, it's, it, you know, I I personally, again, would run over, check on the person. And, and it sounds like in this situation, administer Narcan. Um, however, uh, if you don't have it, you're waiting on the ambulance. So so definitely uh, get Narcan trained. Now, uh, the, the, so to, to, to kind of bring that story to a close, he, he, after we chatted, he went back and the guy had left. So, uh, clearly he was okay. Um, or I don't know if, if I would say okay, but clearly he was not in overdose in that moment. Uh, so, you know, th that, that is the, the, I guess the good ending to that story. Now we went on from there because he said, you know, unfortunately I've been seeing a lot more of this stuff out in the open these days. And I said, you know, um, I definitely understand that. Uh, and, and I can definitely understand the, the the reluctance or the hesitance, you know, when I do outreach and I'm sitting there talking to somebody and the guy next to him is, is tying up or, um, you know, the one that really I think still gets to me is seeing 
somebody uh, shoot, you know, in, in, in a dangerous part of their body. Uh, by the way, this is a quick aside I'm not going to get into, but there are areas of your body that you should not shoot up in. Uh, however, obviously, in those moments, that's not really your concern. Um, that still upsets me to see. Uh, and, you know, I, I, it's their body, their, their choice. However, you know, it just makes me sad sometimes. So I understand. I fully understand the hesitancy or the uncomfortable uh, feelings that you get watching somebody shoot up. Um and he said, you know, it just seems like uh, it's it's been uh, way more out in the open recently. And I said, you know, I, I understand uh, why you would feel that way, uh, but let me let me give you a little bit of context. You know, when he first moved to the city, which was almost a decade ago, uh, fentanyl or, or illicit fentanyl, because I want to make that clear, we're not talking about the fentanyl you get from your doctor's office. Um, was not in all things the way it is today. Uh, Trank, which we're now seeing in a lot more uh, of the supply, was not around. Um, and so while overdoses were still too high, because any amount of overdoses is high, it was a fraction of what it is today, mostly because of uh, these other things showing up in the supply. Now, let me break that down for a little bit more clarity. I am not in any way blaming the drug. Uh, what I am blaming is the inability for people who use to have safe supply. Uh, to, I've used this analogy before, um, but I'm going to use it again because I think it's important. Imagine if you walked into your, your local bar and you ordered a beer. And instead of getting a beer, you got a bottle that looked like beer, uh, but inside was filled with grain alcohol. And uh, in this scenario, you couldn't taste or smell the difference. So you down the bottle. And the next thing you know, you are passed out, maybe even overdosing on alcohol. Why? Because you thought you were getting one thing and you got another thing. Um, now, <laughs> to zoom out a little bit and imagine that person is an alcoholic and so are, are struggling with alcohol misuse or, or, or addiction. In that moment, they cannot, they don't have the option to not order that beer. Is it possible that they're going to get grain alcohol, it's very real. And it, in fact, in some areas, it's likely. However, they don't have the choice not to order that beer. They are going to go through withdrawals uh, if they don't. And, and I said this on an interview the other day, if I had to, to choose in, in, in a moment of, of need between going through withdrawals and potentially overdosing, oh my God, is that a hard choice? Uh, you know, I, I, was really lucky. I never was in that that moment um, because my struggles were mostly through uh, things that I had a safe supply. They were all, you know, CVS uh, and Walgreens were my dealers. So I had a safe supply. Um, you know, that being said, I, I did use a lot of cocaine at the end. And uh, if, if I had to choose in that moment between getting my fix or or in uh, that fix potentially being laced with other things, um, or or going through withdrawals, which were a horrible feeling. I, I I in in that moment, I have no idea, right? Because I can sit here right now and say, well, of course, I would choose to go through withdrawals as as a person who is eleven years removed uh, from using. That being said, in that moment, I I, I can tell you with like a hundred percent certainty. I don't know what I would have chosen, and I probably, if I had to choose, would have gone with the potential to overdose because um, withdrawals are just flat out horrible. 
and uh, you know, the, 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 you're not thinking in a rational state at that moment um, when you really need your next fix. So uh, <laughs> I say all of that to say that uh, you know there is not um, a rationality of choice that that doesn't exist in that moment. So when you think about somebody who is using out in the open. What they're actually doing is practicing a form of harm reduction, uh, of safe use. Now, with your understanding of what I just described, if you knew there was a chance to overdose, right, would you use in a back alley where no one's going to find you until they found your body? Or would you use on a street corner that if you overdose, someone was going to see you like my buddy did with this guy and hopefully potentially call 911 or come Narcan you? I mean, I can tell you what 99 out of 100 people are going to do, uh, and that is use out in the open. So uh, when you're wondering, uh, as I explained this to him and he said, wow, that makes sense, I de definitely did not think of it that way. So when you're wondering why you're seeing so many more people using out in the open, this is why. It's because we do not have safe supply. It's because they're, they are in need uh, and they cannot guarantee that what they're getting is un unadulterated heroin or or whatever they're going for. Um, and and so to protect themselves, they are using out in the open. Now, this is something that a lot of people don't understand, right? I, you know, th thanks to Savage, I've been doing a lot more outreach up in up in the Kensington neighborhood. And, you know, you see use just out in the open everywhere. Is it uncomfortable? Yes, it's uncomfortable. Is it is it startling? Uh, is it is it is it upsetting at times? It's all of those things. However, uh, you know, using again that analogy from before, imagine if you are struggling with alcohol misuse or addiction, you cannot get your alcohol at a bar because this is prohibition and bars do not exist. You cannot buy from a liquor store because again, prohibition, liquor stores don't exist. And so your only availability is to buy from someone that you do not know what is actually in there. They may tell you again that it's it's uh, Budweiser and it's actually Everclear, right? You don't know. You have to trust them because the alternative is uh, going through withdrawals. <laughs> so you you know you trust them. You buy this, but at the same time. You are going to do everything you can to make sure you are protected in case what you bought is Everclear, right? You're not going to go drink in your home. You're not going to, if, if you are, are lucky enough to have a home, you're not going to go into a back alley to chug that bottle anymore. You're going to sit there on that corner and you're going to drink that bottle just in case you end up going into overdose. So um, this is something that that we're unfortunately seeing that the, the, the downside of and as as all these uh, groups try to, to get people off the street, um, you know, the, the, what they're not taking into account is this is this use uh, issue of, is this safe supply issue. So um, the next time you see somebody using in the open and your first thought is, how dare they blah, blah, blah. Just think of this. Right. Think of what you would do in that moment. Um as always, if you have responses, I want to hear them. Uh, as I said before, I am so proud of my friend for reaching out. It's easier not to. It's easier to just have uh, beliefs that are inaccurate. 
or or you know that are not based on the reality of the situation. So I uh, you know applaud everyone for reaching out. If if you hear this and you want to talk about it, please reach out through my website or uh, through social media. As I said on Friday's episode, um, the the people reaching out through the website has been going up recently because I've specifically been asking for this. Uh, so please reach out there or through social media. As always, the first person to reach out from this episode will get a magnet sent to them if they haven't already got one. Uh, everybody else will get a sticker. Uh, so please reach out. And, and I want to hear from you. I want to hear your thoughts on this because this matters. This is a very real issue. Um, and, and if this changed the way you view it, uh, if, if this you know, gave you a new uh, a, 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 if it gave you a new view on this issue, please let me know. I would love to hear from you. All right. Choose your struggle.